Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You got Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jordan McDonald. And yes, we are that much closer to an Eagle playoff game. Monday night against the Bucks down in Tampa. And we left you 22 hours ago. Two and two. We left you 20. Uh, a couple things have gone down in the last 22 hours in the world of football. Uh, not all that bird related. And yes, we're going to talk plenty about the Eagles and the matchup against Tampa today. We got John Stolness coming up in less than 20 minutes. Rob Marty will be with us, hour number two. So fear not, Birds fans. We're going to talk plenty about the Philadelphia Eagles today. But first things first, in the last 22 hours since last we uh, uh, checked out here, Mike Vrabel was given his walking papers from the Tennessee Titans, which came as a bit of a surprise. I get it. Their last two years haven't been good. But in 2021, he's the coach of the year. We're only three years removed from him being the coach of the year in the National Football League, and they moved on. So, wow, that's big. It's some give us something to talk about on Birds 365 because, you know, his name will come up if Nick Sirianni's getting bounced if he loses to Tampa. And then shortly thereafter, we find out Pete Carroll, who was on the record, did a, did a presser afterwards, said, I fought hard to stay as the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And the <laughs> Seahawks said, now we're going to go in a different direction. Super Bowl winning championship coach, Pete Carroll. And within like less than an hour, word is out that Nick Saban is stepping down as the coach of Alabama, arguably the greatest college football coach of all time. Sorry, Fair Brian fans or whoever else wants to argue with me, but I think I'll take Saban. And then the topper this morning, and I was up way too early this morning. I went to bed early last night, so I got up at 
friggin' five o'clock this morning. I'm more prepped for today's show than I've ever been before. Wow. It comes out that Bill Belichick and the Patriots have decided to part ways. So in a 24-hour period, we get Vrabel, who now I thought that was a big yeah, story. Or, or, or Vrabel. That's like, you know, that's like, yeah. He, he's the lead story, and all of a sudden he's kicked way down, way down oh. the list. Holy mackerel. Followed by uh, Mr. Seattle, which I still am shocked by, uh, Pete Carroll, and then say, and then Belichick bringing it back over to the NFL college football, owned the conversational docket for like 12 hours, and now it'll be Bill Belichick for the next 24, 48, maybe the next several years. Um, Johnny Mack, I've never experienced anything like this before. We've never had a group of coaches be told their services are no longer necessary. What's the biggest story? You're you're the you're the writer of the twosome here. Um, well, for the NFL, coaching, right? yeah, it's Bill for the NFL. For college, though, it's Nick. I mean, yeah, nothing. Um, you you might have the greatest college coach of all time, followed by the greatest professional coach of all time. Bang bang. So yeah, that doesn't happen every every day. Um, but yeah, I mean, from an NFL perspective, obviously Bill takes the forefront and 24 years, nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowl rings, tremendous success. I think he ended up 15 wins short in uh, of the all-time record. Uh, we'll see. I assume he wants to get it. I assume he wants to keep going. Um you know, he's a big purveyor of history. Um, so those things mean a lot to him. But uh yeah, man. I, how quick I was joking before the show started. What what about uh Belichick as head coach, Nick Saban as defensive coordinator, Pete Carroll as linebackers coach? Well, it can go back and forth. Pete was a DB's coach, and you can have Mike Brayball as the linebackers coach. That might turn the defense around. Yeah, Can you get think, that done by uh, Monday night? Think that, well, not by Monday night, but uh, believe me, if the Eagles don't win, those conversations will start to be had by Philly Nation uh, immediately. There, I, I feel I have to say I'm being sarcastic because yeah, just uh, in case, yeah, yeah uh, put that case. out there. But there, there will be a small, uh, not realistic few who will go, oh yeah, let's get them all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not happening. Um, and all three of those guys will be talked about here in Philadelphia, rightfully so, not for the, the, the DB's coach position. <laughs> but if Nick Sirianni is given his walking papers, if he loses, you and I did this, went through this exercise last week. When they were 10 and 1, the chances of Nick Sirianni losing his job were zero. Not, not 0. 0.0001, zero. <clears throat> but that's a fluid situation, and those numbers change. And when they lost to both the Niners and the Cowboys and then lost to Seattle. It was the first time I got up to like 5% and said, this is not good. They're, they're, they're proving to us that they're not capable of beating NFC teams that they may face in the playoffs. And then they lose to the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon comes back and pokes them in the eye. And I said, yeah, now it's realistic. Those who are calling for, and there's a percentage of fans and, Maybe even some media guys who are always looking to fire the coach, no matter what. It makes for good coffee. If uh, you get into any kind of a losing scheme, let's fire the coach, fire the coach, fire the coach. I, I thought the conversation at least had gained some merit. And then when they lost to the Giants this past week, when they had everything to play for and the Giants had nothing, nothing to play for, 
yeah, my percentage started to rise. If they get picked up by Tampa as a favorite, John, they are three point favorites in most betting markets. It's moved from two and a half to three. If I, I thought for sure it would go down, if it's moved up, yeah, and that's only a half a point, but it's a key half point if you know anything about betting. Getting it to actually three points is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a legit. I still, I, I, I'm, you know me, I'm in the camp. I, I think you go in stages. I still think it's very low percentage. Now I moved up zero, uh, but it's still way under ten percent for me. Real under um, ten. Wow. Yeah. I, I think this thing goes in stages, and I said the only reason I have it at uh, somewhat in in moved up from zero is if Nick handles the the limitations put on him. From the scapegoating. Now, this is all if they lose Tampa Bay, right. which I'm going to foreshadow early. I don't think they're going to lose. But if they lose um, in Tampa Bay, um, that then I think you're going to see that first stage of, oh, well, you can't do this. You can't do that. This guy's got to be in this position. And if he handles that poorly right away, then you have you always have the, the because it's a two way street. You always have you know you, you know what I've done enough where I can go get another job, uh, and with more power, and he might go in that direction. From the Eagles' perspective, I don't think they're firing him, but I think they're going to say hey, certain things have to be a certain way, and then the clock starts on Nick Sirianni, similar to Doug Peterson when he was forced to move on from Mike Rowe, and then the next year it was about Press Taylor and. Matt Burke and Corey Unlin and on and on and on. So I think it goes in stages. I think we've hit that first stage if they lose and, and maybe when they lose, even if they beat Tampa Bay, I think you're going to see some scapegoating because that's Jeffrey Lurie's history. Um, and then you're going to start that second phase. And that's when Nick, Nick goes on the clock. But I think he's, I think he's very safe this year unless he balks at any demands. And you never know. As I said, people tend to not look at the other side of the street and think it's all eagle. He might say, you know what? I've done enough that I shouldn't be being dictated to. And I can go get another job with more power. He could go that way. And that's the only way, that's the only reason I've gone up from 0% to whatever, 10%, maybe. Uh, if history repeats itself <clears throat> and this plays itself out like it did with Doug Peterson, Doug relented when you hit phase one. Doug said, yeah. even though it made him look really bad because he went out in a press conference and he made a statement and he had to retract it 48 hours later because he was dictated to. And he kind of just swallowed and ate it. And he continued on. It's the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, phase two, yeah, it didn't go that way. And Doug ends up uh, being given his walking papers. Do you really think that Sirianni would, A, want to take the hardline stance now? And, B, would it be advisable for him to do that? I know this is a hypothetical question, but we do hypothetical questions here on Birds 365. Sorry if you don't like it, uh, streamers. Um, no, I don't think he, he will. can't do that, can he? He's going uh, well, he he to take whatever. Well, right. He, he, but you don't believe he will. I, I don't believe he will. He's okay. already shown his willingness to look like a you-know-what by protecting Jalen Hurts in Seattle. Um, 
So he's 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 shown he's willing to take bullets and he's been very loyal. And one thing I've always brought it up because you have this and and when people talk about Bill Belichick's of the world and why that's not realistic for the Eagles, because Bill Belichick has got, you know, a resume longer than anybody else in the history of football. He's got some power. He's got some cachet. He's not going to come in here and say, oh, I'll do what you want, Howie. I'll do what you want. He's going to say, I I need some control over football operations. Eagles don't want that. So people like that aren't in the conversation um, when the Eagles are looking for new coaches these days. Um, generally, when coaches have some success, they naturally gravitate towards more power. They want more power. Nick has not shown that affinity yet. Um, he's happy just coaching. He's like, all right, go get me the players. I'll coach them and I'll do that. And 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 that to me is another indication that he's not going to rock the boat. So I don't think it's going to happen, but I have to, you know, people are people, Jody. Man, they, they might have one thought one day. I know from getting killed on social media all the time, they might have a different thought the next day. Right. Um, they can change their mind on the tip of a you know flip of a coin when the wind changes understood so here's my next question to you because it's it we have a perfect example we don't have to go anywhere to look at a perfect example we stay right here in philadelphia uh you before you and i were doing the show together but uh i i uh, talked to other you guys and i had good sources who told me and i know you've repeated it here on birds 365 when doug peterson was hired the first meeting after he took the job, they said, all right, now we got to put the coaching staff together. And Doug said, well, go, whoever you want, Howie. I'm good. You gave me the job. Whoever you want to give me as a coach. Well, we're keeping Stoutland. Okay, okay, okay. He was fine with anything. He didn't even care. I tell a story all the time of that. I had one of the very few times I had a chance to interview Jeff Laurie was on WIP back in the 90s um, when he hired Andy Reid. And he said Andy Reid blew him away oh, yeah. when he People walked into the when he walked into the meeting with these binders full of information on guys he would hire as his coaching staff if he put it together. He'd never been a head. He'd never been an offensive coordinator. All he was was a, a quarterback coach in Green Bay. But he came in so prepared. If you were to give me this job, here's how I would construct my staff. And here's a guy. And let me tell you about this guy. And Lori said he was blown away by it. And that yeah. was a, a big reason, not the only reason, but a big reason why they said, we're going to elevate this guy from quarterback coach to head coach. Kind of worked out for both the Eagles and then certainly worked out for Andy Reid. So some guys really care about that stuff. And other guys like Doug Peterson went, whoever you want, Howie, I'm good with you. You yeah. tell me Sirianni is that is certainly is, more it, like it, Doug than he is like Andy. Yeah. Oh, definitely. He's, he's more in the middle, but, uh, but Doug you know, changed. He, yeah. Doug, then, you know, Doug got very loyal to certain guys, you know, working every day with people and yeah, then he became very loyal. Now Nick came in with the guys he's loyal to. So, I mean, uh, Kevin Petullo is the one because for people that don't know, that's like, that's Nick's right-hand man. Right. Uh, he might be the most important, even though he doesn't have the job title. He might be the most important person on that staff other than Nick Sirianni to Nick Sirianni, who's the head coach, obviously. Um, if you remember when Nick got COVID, um, 
back in the yeah, first Pachula year. The Pachula was going to be the head coach. Um, it, it, if Jeffrey Laurie said, you know what? You got to fire Kevin Pachula. He's too yeah. close. He's doing some bad things. That would be interesting. But I don't think that's going to happen. So he's loyal to certain guys. Um, Kevin, most notably Jason Michael. Uh, a couple other guys. Um, but other than that, you know. And, and you know, they didn't want to lose. Obviously, he was very loyal to Shane, but there's nothing you could do there. He's very loyal to Jonathan, but there's nothing you can do there. Um, they got head coaching jobs. So um, most of them are gone already. So it has dwindled. But now he's working with guys day to day, and he gets more loyal to guys he's working with. Um, so same thing happens with Doug. It's It's an interesting conversation, but I think, or a year advanced from when it turns into something. Um, I, I don't think there's any way the Eagles are firing Nick Sirianni. Anyway. But, but here's, here's for me the difference why I'm at a higher percentage than you are right now, and, man, my percentage would go up if he loses to Tampa. Uh, after the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson, and, yes, I get it. The Eagles are going to make the playoffs with an 11-win season in a 17-game season year. Doug did not have this collapse. Even in the four and 11 and one year before he got his walking papers, it was never as bad for a segment. I'm not talking about the whole year because 11 and six is certainly better than four, 11 and one, which was Doug's last year. But even over the course of four, 11 and one, the Eagles were never as bad as they are in this morass that they're in right now. And I think that does increase the percentage. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, four eleven. That's bad. I mean, that's a bad. Josh season. tells me all the time yeah. that Sirianni inherited a good team because that offense did. Was decimated did. with injuries the year before. He did. They, they, the Eagles didn't seem to cut and, Doug. And, and, back, and, right? Well, I I think they did. They were going to bring Doug back. They were going to bring, but they just had demands. They wanted to hear his plan. They wanted to change the coaching staff, and he came in with. Press Taylor's going to be the offense coordinator. Matt Burke's going to be the defensive coordinator. If you don't like Matt Burke, we'll do it with Corey Unlin. So he came in with his plan, and Jeffrey said, "No, no, no. We gotta, we gotta do something different. We gotta get some new blood. We gotta do some different things." And Doug was like, "You know what? Leap you. I'm out of here." And and basically, um, that's that's sort of how it unfolded. So he became certain loyal to certain guys. Um, but yeah, I can I I can't I that's that's being a, a, a in the moment. Uh, eleven and six is eleven and six. You know, we'll use the Parcells quote. People like to use it when bad, good. Eleven and six is eleven and six. Four eleven and one is four eleven and one. I mean, one season is a heck of a mm-hmm. lot better than the other. So I can't go down that road. Mm, it, it's so funny. And Johnny Stallness is going to join us in a couple of minutes. He's been covering the Eagles for years, certainly when Peterson uh, was given his walking papers. It could come down to Kevin Petulo. That's that's basically well, that, what that, we're that, saying. That, that, you're fine. It that, could fine. come down to Kevin Petulo. That'll be very interesting in this offseason. But, hey, first things first, Eagles are playing on Saturday. And Johnny Mack, foreshadowing. Uh, doesn't think they're going to lose. I'm not ready to commit to that yet. We'll see what John Stolnes from Bleeding Green Nation and his Great Eagle podcast, I on the Enemy, uh, thinks. He joins us next here on Birds 365. 
Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. A back-to-work Thursday here on Birds 365 with Mac and Mac. Joined by John Stolmas, Bleeding Green Nation, Eye on the Enemy podcast. John, I saw you jumped on a couple minutes early. You might have heard the end of the conversation John and I were having. We were in the hypothetical pool of what <laughs> could happen, losing coaches, blah, blah, blah. I want to jump back into the reality pool with you. Okay. And we'll, we'll take you for a different hypothetical pool, too. <laughs> okay. But reality first. Um, a word that has been thrown out forever talking about teams and not as much about this team as maybe I think there should be. What is the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles identity? 
what would you call the identity of this year's football team? Uh, confusion. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know you're looking for an X's and O's answer because in previous years it would have been, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. It's, it's been a tale of two identities. I think this season, I would have said through the first half of the year, uh, bullying, right? They were the bullies. They, they, they figured out a way early in the season. They were, they were bullying people with their, with their lines, offensive line, defensive line. were both playing at an, at an elite level. They were running the ball. Well, they're having a lot of success in the passing game. The defense was shaky at times, but the defensive line generally you could count on to, to take over and dominate an opponent's offensive line over these last seven weeks. I, I think the, I, I think that's been the problem is that they don't have an identity. I think confusion and uncertainty have been have been this team's identity. Uh, they don't really know what to do uh, on defense at all. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that. But even offensively, I look at the clutch situations late in games where it doesn't seem like they know what plays to call, how to approach different situations, whether to be aggressive, whether to be conservative. And, and I think the self-doubt that has come into this team over the last six weeks has manifested itself, and it's an inability to close out some of these games at the end, like in Seattle uh, against Arizona, when they've had a chance to win a couple of these games even when they haven't played that well so it's yeah. it's the identity has shifted as this team has gone along and if that's the case then it really doesn't have an identity and i, I guess that's the overall point yeah i like your description of self-doubt because that creeps into your head you mentioned i wonder where we'd be john if they won those two games seattle mm -hmm. and arizona which had yeah. a chance you get one stop in each you you, you win the game and all of a sudden they're not really impressive wins. Right. I'm, I'm not even counting the Giants because they, they didn't show up for that game. So right. if you even just win those two games, I think the whole landscape changes. I'm Not that anybody's saying they're going to beat San Francisco or even Dallas if they have to go to Dallas, but I don't think you have this tremendous, oh, this is a disaster feeling. You get that from that sense? I, I do, and I think amongst the fan base we'd feel that way. But he, here's the thing about this 23 season that confounds me the most. I, I can't I, – I keep going back to this quote for, that Jeff McClain had a couple of weeks ago in his in his podcast where he talked about the Eagles being the most miserable 10-1 team yeah, in true, NFL history. I, 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 I can't wrap my mind around that. Like, I understand that the fan base and analysts were looking at all this different kind of stuff, and we're saying that this team isn't playing like a 10-1 team, but as – as a as a locker room, as as players, you know how hard it is to win games in the NFL, especially against the level of competition they were doing it against. So while you know there are things to work on and clean up and all of that, I don't understand how at 10 and 1 you can be that miserable. I'm and and I just I think if that was the case when times were quote unquote good this year. Then when those two losses against the 49ers and Cowboys happened, it must have just completely decimated the locker room. And certainly those losses against the, the Seahawks, where they had a chance to win late, maybe get a little bit on the right side of things emotionally could have helped. But I, I wonder how much even that could have helped because of how miserable it said the team was at, at 10 and 1. And until they can you, until somebody can pinpoint to me exactly why that was the case. Where was that coming from? Is that coming from the head coach? Is that coming from the perfectionism of the quarterback? Is that coming from the uh, the, the coaching staff not not communicating with? I, that's the big question of this season and why things have fallen apart. I think it goes back before the 49ers lost. I want to yeah. know why the team was well, it that did. way. They, Nick started thinking about changing the defensive coordinator when they were 8-1 and one 
<laughs> when they were eight and one. Now, um, when when you talk about and Jeff's completely right, they they it was about the expectations. Jody yeah. and I've been talking about it since day one. They can talk all they want about, Oh, we don't listen to that stuff. Oh, it seeps in. Yeah. And they heard it and they were like, we're, we're not playing. We're winning, but we're not playing like we're supposed to. And you heard it from Jalen Hurts a hundred times. And he said, you know, what's the standard versus winning. And he, he brought that up a couple times. Um, yeah. Things went off the rails. Um, yeah, it weighed on them, um, and then when things started going south, the the surprise to me is they haven't been able to correct it at least somewhat. Again, yeah. not to compete with San Francisco or maybe some of the other teams, but at least correct it against the poorer teams on the schedule. I never saw that coming. Yeah, um, and that to me points back to the biggest mistake of the season, and that's Sean Desai. Mm-hmm. Not by any stretch of the imagination am I saying he's great or he did a great job, but I think that showed panic. Like, why are you even thinking about changing the defensive goal? Why is that even creeping into your mind when you're mm-hmm. eight one? Well, not being in the in the locker room, I can't speak with any authority to this, but the reporting by a, a number of the, the beat writers, and all Tim McManus is one who I think has reported this, is that the Eagles defensive players were unhappy with Sean Desai, that his scheme was too confusing. It was it was really hard to unpack. <laughs> too confusing. And and we will remember, and, and this happened the same week that the announcement that they were moving to Matt Patricia came out that week leading up to Seattle. Remember Kevin Byard coming out and saying that at the secondary had taken it upon themselves to do the scouting for themselves that week leading up to Seattle, which to me indicated they'd lost confidence in Sean Desai. And under Sean Desai, they had some good moments for sure, but when you watch the defense, some of the things that they were doing didn't make any sense at all. They were dead last on third down defense. They were, I think, 30th in red zone defense. There were major issues, and apparently the defensive locker room was was having a real hard time with Sean Desai. So when it happened, I thought, okay, you know, they must know what they're doing. They must feel like Matt Patricia has an answer here. And clearly, clearly they would have been better off staying. And by the way, <laughs> and I, I, I assume it's out there, but I, I, by the way, they took away third down autonomy from Sean Desai at eight and one mm. when they were eight and one. So they took away third down autonomy before they took away the defensive play calling. So it had been in, in the works for weeks. Just let me add to that, John, your point. They're the worst third down defense in the NFL. In the second mm-hmm. half of the season, it's not even close. Yeah. So to take it away from the site and then get the results that you get, the worst defense in the National Football yeah. League. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Nick. That was a flub. You screwed yeah. that. You screwed the pooch on that one. But, that, you know, I, 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 I go back to when – the first year, Nick's first year, if you remember, Fletcher was not happy with the the scheme change, Fletcher Cox, mm-hmm. early in that season, two and five. Um, and look, he came from Jim Schwartz, where it was, eh, just go get the quarterback. And, you know, on the way to the quarterback, um, stop the run, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's fun for a, a, a defensive lineman. And playing four eye and playing one and a half gaps, sometimes two gaps, isn't as fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I think, and I still go back to Nick, 
yeah, some guys weren't happy with Sean Desai. The, the scheme is too complicated. It was too complicated when Jonathan was here. It's too complicated yeah. when Vic runs it. It's too complicated. That's the whole freaking problem with it. Yeah. Is you have these young defensive backs who don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, but I mean, if that's what you want, you you gotta let a guy grow in a position. You gotta let the guy grow in a you can't say, oh, Kevin Byard who's been here for a day and a half is complaining about how complicated big Fangio scheme is, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you got to let him grow. And yeah. I think that the change from, and it got worse as Jody points out, I think it's proven already. Hindsight says they made a mistake and I don't know if they can recover from it, John. Well, right now it looks as if when they released, when they, when they demoted Sean Desai, they decided to go out and recruit the best high school coaching staff they could find and put them in charge of the defense because there's just the the amount of confusion and chickens running around with their heads cut off on defense before the snap. I mean, there's guys that don't have their mouthpieces in when the ball's being snapped. Four guys chasing one guy in motion. I mean, there's just it's an it's an utter it's an utter catastrophe what's going on on defense right now. And I, I don't know how they fix it. I don't know how they simplify it. I mean, I, I don't, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Nick Sirianni, I'm going back to Sean Desai or I'm just trying something totally simple and just saying, all right, enough dropping defensive ends into coverage, enough blitzing guys from 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Let's just, let's make this really simple. Let's let these guys play fast. Let's let these guys have some fun out there. And I, I think that's part of what also has, has happened with this, team fun you you just said it a second ago john you know like they have it's more fun to just go rush the quarterback and and to to try and stop the run on your way there that this team has been missing that it seems like all season long and i think that comes from the perfectionism of the head coach i think that comes from the perfectionism of of the quarterback not allowing yourself to enjoy the good moments when they come to 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 celebrate in the victories when they come makes it when those defeats and those setbacks happen when the standard is so high you can't possibly meet it then you just give up. You get frustrated. And I think that all is encompassing in what we're seeing now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Hi, Johnny. I do want to jump back over to the offense because the Eagles are facing something this week that I hope that they've got an answer for. And that's a blitzing squad. Uh, they've been terrible against the blitz all year. I know yeah. Jalen hasn't been sacked much yet of late, but he's always getting f flushed out of the pocket. He almost always goes to the right. And altogether too often, it either ends up with him throwing a ball out of bounds and yeah. or sitting down for a sack right. two or three yards from the line of scrimmage. So they've been really poor at it. And certainly uh, Brian Johnson was asked about it yesterday and he gave the answer I expected, which was nothing. If he does have an answer, you're not going to tell the world about it in right. a news gathering on a Wednesday before the game. But uh, so I'm going to ask you to speculate here. Mm hmm. You think they got any answer for the blitz? Because Tampa's coming. There's no way Tampa's not coming. Right. They've got 14 different guys with sacks on their team. They come from every angle and different. And I don't know if that would uh, Fletcher Cox would consider that fun. Probably not for him. But for right. the other guys <laughs> who are coming from all the different areas, how are they going to handle the blitz, John? Well, we've got to give the Eagles offensive coaching staff a little bit of grace here because the blitz was only invented a couple of weeks ago. So you can't expect them to be ready for it this, right. this quickly. Um, it's, it is mind boggling that they don't have more hot reads kind of factored in that 
I, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is allowed to audibleize into these different. Uh, He's into allowed different to audibleize at the end of games. We know that. Yeah, now. that's right, and that's right. Yeah. And I think Jalen Hurts' mentality is we're going to beat the blitz by going over the top, right? For for a big play, and instead of just instead of looking at Dallas and saying, "Hey, listen." four yards and turn around. I'm going to get this ball out. Like there just has to be, and you would expect with them having played for, for three years together now that there would be, be some kind of, Sander, bring him. Yeah, try to bring him back. You're gonna try and uh, um, reconnect with John. Yeah, I mean, I brought up those numbers. Damo put them up there yesterday. Um, uh, the 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 star quarterbacks against the blitz this year, the best quarterbacks. Your guy Brock Purdy, one twenty three point three passer rating against the blitz. Dak Prescott, C.J. Stroud, who's a rookie. Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP. All over a hundred passer rating. Jalen Hurts at 80.5. My question, and we got John back, and uh, I'll, I'll let you go, but I'll add in the fact, how much of it is coaching versus the quarterback? At some point, we got to look at the quarterback as well as the coaching. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, guys. Yeah, and I, that's one of the points that I was going to get to is that I think this is on Jalen Hurts and the players as much as it is on the coaching staff. A quarterback, especially against the Giants last week, when they weren't hiding things, it was, it was clear where the blitzes yeah, were coming from. It's Wink Martindale. Everybody knows. <laughs> it's coming. Right. It's coming. Yeah. Right. So just, I mean, there are a couple of plays where, you know, you just, you can't have every, you, as Jalen Hurts has to see that this is coming and he has to alert his guys to to do something different and get the ball out quickly. You can't, you can't throw 30 yards down the field every time a team is going to blitz you. And one of the other things that Jalen Hurts can do, and sometimes this is possible, sometimes it's not, is last year when he would get blitzed, one of the ways he got out of it was by making a big play with his legs. We just haven't seen that kind of dynamic. I keep coming back to this because I don't think it's talked about enough. If you watch highlights from him running the football last year, you see a more dynamic runner than what you've seen this year. He's more of a straight-ahead runner this year, as opposed to last year where he could kind of move around in the pocket, make guys miss, and, and get upfield. And it's a backbreaker when a quarterback runs for 25 yards when you when, when you blitz, and that stops teams from blitzing. So – that aspect of beating the blitz isn't there. Teams may have figured that out a little bit, and the Eagles have not adjusted with more hot roots and Jalen Hurts and his teammates who've been playing together for three years now. This should almost be symbiotic. This should not be complicated. There should be a look. A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts making eye contact, you know, almost to the point where good offenses are able to do that and say blitz is coming, you know what to do and get the ball out quickly. They just, they haven't done that. And maybe they can look back on week three and see how they handled the blitz in week three when they performed really well running the football. Maybe they can lean on that and 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 beat the Buccaneers that way. That's kind of what you have to pin your hopes on. John, let me follow up there because I started voicing concerns about this in April, May at the latest, after Jalen had signed the big $250 million deal that one of the big keys to the Eagles last year, what made the Eagles a Super Bowl team was the plus one aspect of the Philadelphia Eagles. That Jalen Hurts could take off with his legs and make a play, get a first down, get a 25-yard play yeah. at almost any time. Right. And I said, I hope that continues. Nick Sirianni was on the record going, wait a minute, you think I'm going to ask him to give up his superpower when asked right. about it? Okay, glad to hear that, Coach. Appreciate that. You allayed my fears for about 10 minutes. 
And then the season started, and you could see he just wasn't running the football the way he did. And it's, I'm sure, a, a, a compilation of reasons. But yeah. Jalen decided he didn't want to run as much anymore. The mm-hmm. organization decided with a $250 million quarterback, we can't put him at risk as much as we used to. The offensive line is dropped off a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll add in, he was hurt for part of the season. When he had the bad knee, you could just tell he's like limping out onto the field. But he started being less of a factor in the running game. Week one, when he was yeah. completely healthy, if all those things contributed to what you just said is a missing link for the Philadelphia Eagles, What's the number one reason, do you think? Uh, The only thing I can point to, well, there's a couple different things. I think maybe he is hurt more than we think. Maybe they're just, maybe there's some of the explosiveness isn't there and there's something we're going to find out after the season as a reason why. Do we just accept that at face value? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if if there is, if he undergoes like a, a minor surgery in the offseason on his knee, or if there's something we find out, like he was playing with a torn meniscus all year, where it affects him, his ability to move and stuff, fine. That's But we saw this with Donovan McNabb after his first couple of seasons, where he ran the football a lot and was a really dynamic runner. And then he just decided, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be a pocket passer. I want to play within the structure of the offense. And that's good. I think Jalen Hurts is a better passer than Donovan McNabb. So so that can that can work to a degree, but you certainly do cut your legs off a little bit when, when, as a, when you have this plus one, you're not taking advantage of it. And I, I think I, you know, one of the one of the other things that could be possible is, and, and I haven't heard this talked about a whole lot, this offseason, Jalen Hurts emerged as an NFL superstar. There were more demands on his time. There were more more things going on on his plate. It was a shorter offseason. And I just don't know that he came into the season in in the kind of condition to be able to be a runner as he as he had the previous season. I just see a different level. He just looks a little slower. He doesn't look as explosive. And I don't have a a hard and fast explanation for that. But I think, I think those are some factors that could, could be a reason why. I like that thought, John. I hadn't uh, contemplated that. That's an interesting, uh, because he was week one as he, but he didn't look the same before yeah. any of the potential injuries, by the way, torn meniscus, Darius Slay had a torn meniscus, which is astonishing. He's going to be back as quickly as he is. And now I'm starting to get concerned. Well, he might be back, but how effective he was going to be, but, but yeah. how effective is he going to be? But just to button up Jalen Hurts real quick, um, if you want to go positive, um, I'm going to light up my stogie with Chad Ochocinco. You know, <laughs> he 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 pretty much said consistently he wanted to, one of his goals was to get through and play in all 17 games for the first time. Yeah, and he did it. Um, maybe that was part of the scale back from the running perspective, and maybe he shows up in the playoffs, and it's the old Jalen Hurts. Now, I just said week one, he didn't look like the old Jalen Hurts. So, but if you want to be positive, any chance yeah. that's the case? There's certainly a chance. There's certainly a chance he was saving himself for the playoffs. But I think at the same time, when you have a chance at the number one seed. I would have thought that was the time of year that he would have turned it on. Like when the 49ers and Cowboys come to town, that would have been like, I can understand saving yourself kind of for that part of the schedule, right? Makes sense. But it never, it never happened. And so I just don't think it's there this year. I I don't know why, 
but I'm I'm not optimistic that he's suddenly going to flip a switch and turn it on. I mean, he may try, and and it might not be there. I don't know. It, it it's it could be like a pitcher who just doesn't have his fastball for that particular year. You know, it might be down like a mile or an hour or two. Like that's kind of what this feels like in terms of Jalen Hurts' running ability. And perhaps there are things that the defenses are doing schematically to prevent Jalen Hurts from being able to do what he did. But I just watch him run. I'm st- you just watch highlights from last year, highlights to this year. It's a different guy running the football. I think he's a great passer, but he's just that that element of his game is just not as dynamic this year. Straight ahead, great. He does have his speed, but I just think the mobility is not as is not what it was. It was more than a couple of weeks ago, but they did play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. Mm-hmm. And they did beat the snot out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. It was 25 to 3 and Tampa 25 11 scoregami game. Right. Yeah, oh, never oh, happened before. And oh, by the way, touchdown and two point conversion to make it a scoregami. It's on points out. <laughs> um, but it was complete and utter domination. They, they, they outgained them two to one, more than two to one, 400 and change to 190 and change, something like that. Has so much changed over the course. It's the, still the same season. I know we're now in 2024, but it's still the 2023 season. And in the 2023 season, the Eagles went down to Tampa where they have to go again and just decimated the Bucks. What's the biggest reason why the Eagles have gone backwards? And we can't just look and go, that'll be 25-11 again. Scoring yeah. on me again. Yeah, I'm going to predict the same exact score. Why aren't we? Well, I, I, defensively, it, it still doesn't seem like they know what they're. I mean, they've allowed Tyrod Taylor, Drew Locke to 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 beat them. They allowed uh, an Arizona Cardinals offense that had Kyler Murray, but nothing else to destroy them. And you look at this Buccaneers offense; they've got two one thousand yard receivers. I don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's a postseason quarterback, but he certainly. With the amount of open spaces and the lack of pressure that the Eagles are generating from their front from their front four or front five, depending on, on what it is they're doing, there's just too many open spaces that even a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, if he has time in the pocket, will be able to find his star wide receivers. And I just the the way the Eagles, if if they're gonna, the way they beat the Buccaneers the last time was they just ran the ball into oblivion. They ran over 40 times in that game, and and they they were able to keep the Buccaneers off the field. If if they if the offensive line can have another performance like that, then yeah, I then you could see a repeat performance of that. The problem has been if the if the offense for like a couple of series in the first half fails to generate any kind of any kind of scoring the defense is offering no resistance early in games and before you know it it's 21 to 3 so you can't run the ball 40 times at that point and now you're behind the eight ball so that's that's going to be the key is is for this offense to score early and often score early touchdowns often because i just don't know how this defense is going to be able to pick themselves up off the mat and prevent this Tampa Bay offense from putting more points on the board than they did back in week 3 um, at John Stolness, make sure you follow John on X, uh, Twitter, uh, Bleeding Green Nation. I on the Enemy Podcast does a tremendous job. Um, I, I, I'll talk about that defense and talk about this game coming up, John, because I've mm-hmm. already foreshadowed. I'm picking the Eagles to win this game. It has more to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> than the Philadelphia Eagles. I just don't think Tampa Bay is a very good football team. So my point, we, we, we go full circle back to the not having fun when they were 10 and one. Yeah. If they go out there and dominate similar to week three, maybe it's not a scoregami game, but they win by two touchdowns, easy coast to victory. Is it even meaningful? 
Because ultimately, you talk about that defense, and we know who's on the horizon. Even yeah. if you get upsets other way, it's going to be San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit, offense, offense, offense. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get behind the eight ball. So even if they win a game in Tampa, impressively, is there going to be any positivity in Philadelphia? I think so. I think all you need is for this defense to play somewhat competently. It doesn't need to be a shutdown defense. So this offense is good enough to put up 30 to 35 points against any defense in the NFL. They really have that amount of talent on that side of the ball. And if they come out against Tampa's uh, blitzing heavy defense and they have answers for the blitz this time, I think at least offensively, that gives you the confidence that you can win a potential shootout against one of the teams that you mentioned if they have to go on the road against Detroit, Dallas, or uh, or San Francisco. And if they can, if the if the defense can look competent against the Tampa Bay offense, no, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to do the same thing against those other offenses like you mentioned. But it at it least gives you the right now. This this defense is the worst defense in the NFL. It's the worst Eagles defense I've ever seen, and I'm not sure I've ever seen an NFL defense play as poorly as this. Look, this disorganized have no answers for any single thing whatsoever. If they can, if this defensive line can hit Baker Mayfield, like if they can figure it out, if they can find it, that's kind of a neutralizer. That's an equalizer that can help out the cornerbacks and the linebackers and the safeties. That's what really needs to happen if the Eagles are going to win this game. That, that those defensive edge rushers, those those defensive tackles, if they can get in the backfield, disrupt, make plays, get a couple of turnovers, which we know they can do then I think there is reason for optimism in the divisional round if you have to go on the road someplace. But I don't know that the odds are that high that that's what we're going to see on Monday night. All right, I'm going to ask you about a small group of Eagle players. Actually, could get even smaller because Hassan Reddick has not had a a great year. He was injured to start. He got real hot in the middle. He slowed down again here at the end. Uh, And I don't think Hassan is happy with the season he had. But then there's Josh Wett. Yeah. who has completely disappeared for two months. We're talking two months now. Josh Sweat hasn't had a sack in eight games. Yeah. Any chance the two highly thought of, highly proclaimed, highly paid <laughs> edge players the Philadelphia Eagles have come up with a good game Sunday against Tampa? Boy, I they they certainly can do it. Confidence for me is is not high that they will do it. That's why I was advocating resting the starters last week against the Giants. Even I didn't really care what happened in the Dallas Washington game. I thought it was more important for that for those, especially the defensive linemen, to get a week of rest. Basically, treat last week as a bye week, so that maybe you come into this game against Tampa fresh. If the, if this does have to do with just not having their legs under them. They're tired, too many snaps and all that. I I don't know that that's a viable excuse anyway in this modern NFL. You don't see other teams that have had good defensive lines suddenly just lose it. But I I think that part of the issue is maybe fatigue. And and I don't know that maybe they got enough of a rest in the second half against the Giants last week that they'll be fresher. I I don't have any confidence about any aspect of this Eagles team right now. So if you're asking me, do I think that they're going to suddenly find it against (laughs) Tampa Bay on Monday night? My answer is probably not. What we've seen is what we're seeing over these last six, seven weeks or so. But again, there's not, it's not a non-zero chance. There's certainly a chance 
the pedigree of these guys. Josh Sweat is a guy who deserved the contract extension that he got. Hassan Reddick is a guy, if you'll stop dropping him into coverage seven to ten times a game and let him actually rush the quarterback, can get there. The concern is in the middle of the defensive line, more so with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. I just don't know what these young guys have left in the tank. They, they might have used everything up already, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult with the with the playing time on the defensive line. But you know what? I look at the Aiden Hutchinsons of the world, the Max Crosby's of the world, Daniil Hunters of the world. They never leave the field, and yeah. they always have. They could play two games. I'm like, what? What is going on? Uh, what is going on? But you know, Kirby Smart gets a lot of love, but there's something going on in Georgia. Those guys are not ready to play. Yeah a ton of snaps and we've seen it with Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis. Now Jordan's gotten better. I think it's a little bit unfair. I think he's had a good season overall. Hopefully Jalen Carter starts to improve, but man, yeah. And it's veteran guys too. Josh Sweat. Yeah. Now remember what happened to Josh Sweat early in his career when he was a high school player, five-star recruit, maybe the best recruit in the country. And he had this catastrophic leg injury made it all the way back, and the Eagles were very cognizant for years about his reps. And all of a sudden, it's like, all right, it's time yeah. to go. <clears throat> and maybe he's just hit the wall. Yeah, it's disappointing, yeah. though. It, it hey, is disappointing. The, he gets that big contract, and they expect more from him to do that. And and they've had to decrease Brandon Graham's snaps as, as he's gotten older there too. And, and Nolan Smith was a guy that they drafted in the first round. And you're not expecting Nolan Smith to be a seven sack guy in his rookie season, but yeah. he, he just hasn't played very much and you haven't gotten much from, from him. He's shown flashes, but you know, there's there, you, those Georgia guys, it just hasn't been, a, you were expecting more from, from the Georgia guys. And maybe we were expecting too much from these guys this early in their career, given the fact that they didn't play a ton of snaps in Georgia. They did a lot of rotating there as well, but there, it, you know, the, the performance of the young defensive players, especially towards the front has been disappointing in both their in, inability to stay on the field and in the Kobe Dean and in seemingly hitting a, a wall here. And really, Jordan Davis didn't play very much last year. This has kind of been his first full season playing every yeah. week, regular snaps. And yeah. I imagine he hit a rookie wall as well. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a seven sack year for Nolan Smith, but I didn't think it was going to be a goose egg either. Yeah. Sack, yeah. So. Uh, last one for me. And John, I'm going to let you choose which blank you want to fill in. Okay. The Philadelphia Eagles. We'll beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and advance to the next round because blank mm -hmm. or the conversation on Bird Street 65 and I on the enemy podcast will change drastically next week because the Eagles are out of the playoffs because mm. blank. Mm -hmm. Give me give me basically the way you're leaning and why. I'll go with the second one, and, and I think we are all going to be. T I don't. I, I don't see the Eagles winning on on Monday night. And just full disclosure, I have picked the Eagles to win every single week this year. <laughs> just I haven't. I, I kept thinking, you know, early in the season there was no reason not to pick them to win. And then as the season went along, I just kept thinking, all right, this is the week they pull out of it. All right, this is the week they pull out of it. And last week, these last two weeks against the Cardinals and Giants have broken me. I, I just, I'm not, I can't in no. good conscience after what I've seen over these last couple of weeks in particular, I can't get myself there to them going into Tampa, figuring things out and, and writing the ship. It is certainly possible that they do it. I just can't get there. And so I don't know how they're going to lose. If it's a blowout, if it looks like it did against 
the Cardinals and the Giants, what we're going to be talking about is the future of Nick Sirianni. Are we going back to the Doug Peterson days where entire offensive coaching, defensive coaching staffs are fired, outside voices brought in that don't mesh with what Nick Sirianni wants to do? Do they offer an ultimatum to Sirianni? Does he say yes? Does he say no? Where did it all go wrong? It's an offseason nobody wants to contemplate. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's, I think. I, you know what, John? I can't even see that path. You know, and it I has more not. to do with Tampa Bay. They they had to win a game in Carolina, a two-win team. Uh, granted, it's on the road. Baker Mayfield threw for 137 yards. I I, I just, there's, yeah, I, I'm with you. This defense is atrocious. But, I mean, that's the, is, is Carolina's defense right now better than this Eagles defense? I'm it not so sure be. it isn't. It might be, but it's not that much better. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's the worst team in football by by a wide yeah. margin, the Carolina path. Yeah, I just don't think I, – I don't think Tampa Bay has any bullets. So, you know, they, they could win the game, but it's probably going to be 20 to 17. Mm-hmm. Eagles are going to turn it over a bunch. I can see that happening. But I don't see this Giants-like performance. Like the Giants, to me, I I, I really do plush that game. I know you got to go. I apologize. No, I, I really do plush that game simply because, and you can criticize them. They they they, they had no interest. They, they tried to do it judiciously. All right, we're going to protect certain guys, but certain yeah. guys have to play. And it just came out as like, what are we doing? And yeah. the guys didn't show up. So from that standpoint, not saying it's a good thing. But I do think it's a game you look at and say, eh, it's not really that relevant. And, and I think people are caught up in it. Here's the reason why I might be siding with John and leaning toward the Bucks. They have won five of their last six games. All right. Yeah, they only beat the Panthers nine to nothing in their final game, which, oh, by the way, was a W, something that the Eagles have been few and far between grabbing. They did win five of their last six and and beating Green Bay in Green Bay in December is not a bad win. So, uh, Johnny Stonelish, you know, we, we love whenever you come on and join us on the show. Uh, appreciate your podcast. Appreciate the work you do at BLG. Thank you much for jumping in with us today. And we'll have you on again, hopefully to talk about another Eagle game, maybe to talk <laughs> about the offseason. We're going to have to wait and see how it plays itself out. John, thanks. Thanks, guys. That's John Stone. It's Bleeding Green Nation and uh, the Eye on the Enemy podcast. He's McBone. I'm McDonald. Still got plenty to do. Full hour to go here on Birds 365. And Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40%, 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. As we got to do, call managing partners Jim or Fran and tell them you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds!
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. In a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. Now. If you didn't enjoy John Stolness, I'm sorry, I don't think you're a football fan because he's always good whenever he comes on. So, therefore, you should hit the like button. Go ahead. Just hit it now. Get it over and done with. You don't have to like McDonald. You don't have to like McMullen. You got to like John Stolness. Come on. Do us a favor. Hit the like button, uh, and we'll give you another hour of Eagles talk coming your way, or at least 55 minutes, which will include Rod Marty, another very likable guy. Philly guy through and through and knows his football inside and out. Marty's going to join us coming up in less than 15 minutes. All right. If we had more time with John, I would have run this by him. I'll run it by you, John. We've been down this road before, but it changes with every matchup every single week. Um, we talked four weeks ago, whenever it was, about the the crowd getting a little rowdy down at uh, Lincoln Financial Field and chanting, run the ball, run the ball. When the Eagles had the ball and may have taken it too far into the snap count, and several players felt they needed to comment on it and that it was counterproductive and all of that stuff. Uh, we, we'll, we'll put that whole conversation aside. We did that plenty. But the concept of running the football is always ever present, and it certainly is present again this week. 
specifically because they're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they played them earlier this year. Yeah, I know it was two months ago. A lot has changed. A lot has happened, but it is still 2023. And they ran it down their throats to the tune of 200 yards. And I know Vita Vey is supposed to be one of the best run stoppers on the planet, but he was on the field that night too when the Eagles ran for 200 yards. And I'm not one of these over-the-top, you-must-run-the-football-to-win-games-in-the-National-Football-League guys. I'm more of a balance guy. I like balance in my offense. I want to be able to both run it and pass it. Shane Steichen, when he took over as the play caller two years ago, Johnny Mack, said, you know what we really need to do? We need to get back to basics. What's the best thing about our offense? Jalen Hurts was still a developing quarterback at that time. Uh, they didn't have A.J. Brown at that time. We got these five guys up front. Why don't we just get behind them and run it down other teams' throats? And it turned the Eagles season around and made them a playoff team. Is there any chance that's revisited this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from a play-calling standpoint? No matter how many times I get asked this question, I'm going to answer it the same way. Yeah, they'll run the ball if they get the lead. John just brought it up, John Stolness. Again, like the show for John Stolness, even if you don't like me. That's one John you like. Yeah. What 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 was the correlation between and really go back a week, Minnesota as well, they got a big lead. And then you can run the ball and then you can do it. But when you're down 21 to 3, as John said, well, people are gonna lose their minds if you keep running the ball and if you stay try to stay patient. And all of a sudden, your defense can't hold up even more. And all of a sudden, that's 28 to 3. It's not going to happen in Tampa Bay. But you get my point. Um, they will run the ball if they get a lead. So, you know, tell me what the score is in the fourth quarter, and I'll tell you what the run-pass ratio is going to be. You know, you know, the more you run it, probably the more you're going to pile up yardage and the more you're going to wear down with what is, again, the best offensive line in professional football per pro football focus. Um, they got to get the lead. In a lot of ways, this team, most teams are built, like everybody wants to play with the lead, right? That's common sense. But this team is particularly built to play with the lead because they can run the football and they can rush the passer if they don't have to worry about anything else. Um, where they get in trouble is obviously playing from behind. So, um you know, if they're down 14 nothing, if there's an interception, if Tampa Bay takes the football, wins the coin toss, goes down and score, and then you all of a sudden you got a two-score game, then you're in trouble. You're not going to run the ball. But if things uh, unfold similarly to what they did in week three, yeah, they're going to try to run it down their throat. I, I don't – I the Eagles, you know, generally – and, and it's not just the Eagles. It's a philosophy. And this is probably a good day to talk about it because it was a bad day for old school football yesterday with Pete Carroll and and Bill Belichick now and, and Nick Saban on, on the college level. Um, the, the thought process is you pass to, to get the lead, you run to, to close the game. And that's the Eagles' philosophy. And I just, I, I looked it up because I hear that what you're saying, John, and you're right. Uh, the score and time left in the game is dictates a much larger play calling than people want to admit. Uh, so your point is dead on. 
that first game against these two teams, I didn't even realize there were 11 possessions in the first half. That's a lot. Yeah, they were struggling. It was both teams were struggling. Tampa Bay had a little bit going early, and they went away from it, which was a little bit strange. Um, and, and you know the Eagles were giving them some things in the passing game, and Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, we know are very good players, and they just they just stopped, and it was very weird. You know, Dave Canales, uh, um offensive coordinator down there still learning on the job as well. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that happens, but um, you know, and you mentioned Vita Vita played, but he wasn't healthy. So that's part of it as well. Um, so mm-hmm. he's fighting through some things, um, but it, it, it unfolded to where they could take advantage of the running game. And they generally do that, by the way, when they had the lead, they are going to try to run the football and close the game. And that's been pretty consistent throughout um, Nick Sirianni's tenure. Nobody's run had two more 200-yard running games than the Philadelphia Eagles over the past three seasons. Nobody. So it's not like they don't want to do it, but they got to have the lead, and it's got to be the right situation. And we'll see if that's the situation on Sunday against this Buck team. I'm not sure it's going to be. Uh, again, I reserve the right. I don't, we don't have to make a pick till Monday. Now, a guy like John Stolnes, he's screwed. He's going to be with us on Thursday, so I'm going to have to make a pick on the game. You and I don't have to make a pick till Monday, and uh, we'll probably hold off on that till then. Um, do want to ask you about this. I got this off my buddy Ruben Frank's stats pack on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia. First downs allowed. The Philadelphia Eagles in the last 11 weeks have allowed 237 first downs in 11 weeks. That is by far the most in the National Football League. And that includes the the Carolina Panthers, who you said last segment, well, they're the worst team in football. Yeah, they are. Uh, They didn't give up as many third downs over the last 11 weeks as the Philadelphia Eagles did. More third downs allowed than any other team in football. And here's what I read into that. There's two things about getting third downs, uh, converting on, on uh, for, converting and just getting first downs. It means that, A, you're not stopping them, and, B, you're also probably not giving up chunk plays. Because if you give up chunk plays, that cuts into the amount of first downs you give up because the team is moving it larger uh, chunks of yards without getting another first down in between, which kind of just goes to the overall philosophy of the Philadelphia defense, which is the Fangio defense, which is we're going to keep you in front of us. We're not going to give up chunk plays. We're going to just worry about you not getting a 25-yard completion, and we're going to hope that hope against hope that you make a mistake, take a 10-yard penalty, cough up the football, I, I, and it worked pretty damn well last year with Jonathan Gannon running it to the tune of the second-best defense in the National Football League. It has not worked this year. It's failed miserably. And we point to the culprits of uh, the two defensive coordinators who've been in place, and I think they surely deserve uh, a, a whole lot of critique and criticism. But do we look at the defense itself? John, you are well on record about the Fangio defense, that you're not the biggest fan of Fangio. 
understandably so. Will the Eagles actually evaluate it during this offseason? If they give oh, up a yeah, ton of first downs, you, you think that it, this isn't one of those wired into the DNA of the Philadelphia Eagles uh, type things that they, they could move off this easily? Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, to this point, it's been wired in Nick's DNA. Um, but I, I got to believe that uh, – after what he's seen this year, he will open his mind a little bit because I look at Sean McBay had the same um, thought process um, when he had Brandon Staley. That's why he hired Brandon Staley and went away from Wade Phillips. Uh, and it was did back uh, to a different philosophy with Raheem. Kevin O'Connell tried it. He did the same thing. With that down complicit direction um, with Brian Flores. Um, so other coaches have come up, started to come to the conclusion that I have. And by the way, when you say I don't like the big banjos, oh, I did when he started. Uh, I just think people. Um, and it happens to every scheme. I bring it up all the time. It happened to it happened to Pete Carroll. It happened uh, to Mike Zimmer. It happens to everybody. Uh, people catch up and they go to the next thing. Where we are with the fan. I think, I think Nick is going to realize that. I don't see how he can. It's beating himself in the face. Um, but we got to wait and see. I mean, you know, he's been pretty consistent that this is the scheme he wants to run. Um, I don't know, you know, for all those people criticizing him and saying he should be fired, I think their best case is the one they never talk about, and that's the defensive side of the ball. And that's, you know, not only the move away from Sean Desai, which was a disaster, as we pointed out, to Matt Patricia, which strikes me as panic more than anything else, but also the philosophy as a whole. Um, they hated it when they were good at it, the fan base. They were the best at it last year, the best of all the teams that ran it, and they hated it. Um now you see the back end when you're not very good at it. And I I talk about that Giants game, that fool's gold Giants game. I talked that was one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. And they made Daniel Jones look like a quarterback worth giving what the Giants gave him to gave him in, on, on a contract, which was fool's gold. And the same thing with this Eagles defense. Now you're seeing it when you don't have personnel as well with the philosophy, as well as having to play young players like Eli Ricks in the slot, out of position, Sidney Brown in the slot. They don't know what they're doing. Talked about the overcomplication. You know, oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. Post snap, you gotta you gotta rotate into six different coverages with rookie players playing out of position. There, at some point, common sense has got to take over. 
we talked about it in hour number one about in a hypothetical conversation about if the Eagles lose, the conversation that needs to be had between Jeff Lurie, Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni, um, and that if they wanted to clean house, say, Nick, you can keep your job, but we're cleaning house to the coaching staff. And that were to include Kevin Petulo, would he say, no, 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 no. You can have everybody else, but not Kevin. Petulo's got to stay. We don't know how that conversation's going to go. I, I, I agree or disagree with me on this. I think if he's told the Fangio defense gone, we're going to hire a defensive coordinator with a different philosophy. The roster is the roster. You can turn it over somewhat, but you can't turn it over completely. But we believe that there are guys here that will fit a different philosophy. You don't think that's a hill that Nick's going to die on because he talked with passion about it during this offseason when Gannon went out the door and he had to choose his new defensive coordinator and they let their DV back, who most people thought Kennard Wilson was going to get the gig, go to Baltimore, and he hired Desai, who you could see was right, ripe from the Fangio tree, and they give him the gig. You don't think that's a hill that Nick's going to die on, do you? I don't. Um, but Neither do I. He, he could, and that's that's why I put it at less than 10%. That's my 10%. If he decides that certain coaches um, – now, I – would think it would be more the offensive side, which is why I don't think um, he's going to die on that defensive hill. I don't know how you can look at this scheme right now and say, yeah, we should double down on this. I don't know how you do it. Um, so I, I don't think he's a dumb man, which I know a lot of people do, but I talk to him a lot. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's dumb. And right now people have caught up. He's got to figure it out. He's got to, it's, it's not just here, by the way. Vic gave up 56 points, 56. Now, granted, it's against the best team in football or arguably the best team in football, but still, you don't give up 56 points if you're playing a good defensive scheme. Agreed. And, and that's just one of the many storylines that could unfold. But first things first. They beat the Bucs. The Fangio defense stays for another week. I guarantee with that. All right. Uh, we'll talk about all these things next with one of our favorite guests. Uh, he is the senior writer and lead writer for the NFL for the Associated Press. Former Philly guy. He hates when I say former because he's a Philly guy to his core. But now living down in Florida, not far from Tampa, he will be at the game for sure on Monday night. Rob Motti joins us next here on Birds 365.
any professional sports coach will tell you, there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365, and we may have breaking news because, as you can see on your box here, Rob Marty is on the phone, and somebody's giving him uh, a story as we speak. He had to deal with the fact yeah. that the Belichick story broke lot, at lot, 7 lot o'clock this right morning. Now. What yeah. time do you get up this morning, Marty? Oh, my goodness, guys. Uh, between all-pro voting, tabulation, chasing ballots – Having people fix their ballots because uh, sometimes you sometimes they screw it up. Yeah, sometimes they put a guy at the wrong position. Yeah. Hey, are you talking? Are we talking hanging chads here? Is that? Oh what's going my on? gosh! So it, it's been that kind of and then and then the last thing I wanted because today's the the day you finalize everything, right? And then tomorrow we announce the All Pro team is Belichick to happen, and it, it's it's been been one fun. 48-hour stretch. Now, I'm a hardliner, Rob. I think you should take away that boat if they're putting people at wrong positions. I uh, I, I, I John, think you I, have... I wholeheartedly agree with you, and without firing anyone on Birds 365 and not telling them about it, yes. if, you're, if you're late, if I got to chase you, if I got to fix you, see ya. Okay. Uh, I, I like it. No, I please don't it. post that. Please don't. Post no, that. I'm not. I, I, I'll don't, that Sander, don't post that. <laughs> no, no posting and no throw. names. That's for damn sure. No. I. But since you went there, uh, and I was going to go a completely different direction, but all pro. Uh, the NFLPA decided to come out with one two years ago. They released yeah. their second ever yesterday. Uh, doesn't have the cachet of the Associated Press, but it's players, pick up players and the like. And here's the one thing, and I hope, please, otherwise I'm going to have to take a shot at Rob Motti. Um, Can't do that. Well, yeah, I can. Um, 
please tell me you don't have the fullback position on your all pro list. The fullback is is back for the first time, Jody. Yeah. Why? It was gone for five years. Well, here, here's the here's here's the thinking. Okay, we acknowledge a long snapper, a punt returner, a kick returner, a special teamer, a kicker, and a punter. So you have every single position. And I thought that fullback, which isn't a, guys like Juice in San Francisco and Alec Ingold and and, and Ricard, and they're players. They play yeah. a position. They're very right. good at it. Why can't they get the recognition uh, that they that they are the best at what they do? And also, one step further, uh, slot corner has become a position in and of itself. Yeah. Guys, okay. That, so, that so here's here, this got to be my follow up question: Do you have twelve players on offense on the yeah, first 12, twelve and 12, 12 and Okay. 12. And that's if you're going to make yeah. it twelve, then I got no problems keeping because yeah. the the players association. Only has two wide receivers. Yeah, that, so you're and taking I, I, a third wide receiver off to put a fullback in. That's just not the National Football League in 2023. I'm sorry. Yeah, Either exactly. And, 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 and that's what had happened before. Yeah, we had so we had taken when we took off the fullback six seven years ago. They initially went to a flex player, and some people like that, some don't. But but then there's the thought that flex isn't a position. Yeah. How do you how do you look back? 10, that's 15, that's too flex that, all pro. So that's too fantasy footballish for me. Yes. I'm glad you took that out. I'm glad. Yeah. So I, and, and I agree with you. It's a position. Why not? And by the way, you can have more than twelve. I think you know. I I I, I would like to see. You mentioned slot cornerback. I think it should be wide receiver, wide receiver, slot receiver. I think it should be a distinct slot guy. Do you, do you know? Do you know how how difficult it? Have I to, know. I'll have to many, fix then. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because, because people would in, have in to look. Get it, I need to get him to send it in on time. Now he's got to yeah. figure out who's a slot. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm not trying. I'm not well, trying to add to Rob's work. But. What we do is we actually. I actually send them snap counts. We send yeah, them. Yeah, that's this, what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. This guy played X amount of snaps in the slot. And, and therefore, the, he yeah. qualifies as slot. So don't give me a safety. Who may have had a handful, of, so yeah, and yeah. and then receivers are all over the place. But you're right; so you could do a slot, and I, I will. There is at least one prominent voter who insists on sending his ballot, and it says wide receiver, wide receiver, slot receiver, and he picks a slot receiver, even though it's it's th the top three receivers yeah. for you. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't know who it is, but I like his I like his thought process. I, I think that's. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it. I think it should be sort of what the game is today. Like one of my pet peeves, Rob Jody knows this. Hassan Reddick, you know, you look at the roster. He's a linebacker. He's a linebacker. No, he's not. He's an edge rusher. He's an edge rusher. Um, um, and the game has changed. So that's anyway. That's one of my. Pet peeves. Well, let me turn this around on you and ask you a quick question, guys. Please. My thought process this year was. It can be one of those odd seasons where typically if you're going to vote for somebody first team all pro quarterback, you can vote. He might be the he might be your MVP. But I don't think those two necessarily have to be the same player. If you look at the most valuable player to a team, he could may not necessarily have the statistics worthy of a first team all pro quarterback. This could be one of those years. 
I, I told voters, don't feel like you have to pick the same guy because uh, traditionally they do. Yeah. Would you feel odd about casting a ballot that has, say, Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy or Tua Tungavila or Josh Allen as a first team all-pro quarterback and, and maybe Lamar as as No, the, as I wouldn't. I, like in that. fact, I thought about that, you know, for the PFWA, which is the one I vote for. It's I was thinking about, am I going to pick Josh Allen? Because I think he's the most difficult player to deal with in the NFL right now mm-hmm. um, as first team all pro, but Lamar's my MVP. So I'm right on that thought process. He's my MVP, Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen might be my first team quarterback. Yeah, it's weird, but um, yeah, I see exactly what you're thinking. I, I I wouldn't have a problem with it if you wanted to split it. It's splitting hairs. It'd have to be a really specialized situation, but could it happen? Yeah, I think it could. Uh, back to the the whole slot thing that you guys were talking about, and I enjoyed that conversation. To make a slot guy a slot guy, because I'll give you a name, C.D. Lamb. He plays a lot in the slot, but he plays outside too. There are some guys that's all they do is play in the well, slot. That's why the slot, that, 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 that's why I think what Rob does with the snap counts is key. Yeah, so that's gotta... my question. Thank you for formal, formalizing it for me, John. What's the percentage? What percentage of all your snaps do you have to play in the slot to be considered a slot receiver? And that's why for wide receiver, we don't have the slot receiver because I, I think it's going to be too difficult in a case like C.D. Lamb and some of the other guys. They, they move around so much. Yeah. I think on the defensive side with a slot corner, there's more specialized. There are guys who strictly they are. play. Yeah. They, they play inside. I, I would say, you know, but as long as you put a rule, like I would say more than 50 percent. So be, C.D., yeah. CD, I'll look it up real quick. CD plays more in the slot than he does outside. Right. So, um, so all right, he's five five twenty four in the slot, four fifty five wide. Right, so he's, he's over fifty percent. He's a slot, yeah. no yeah. questions asked. That's how I would do it. Even but, you know, he plays outside. Rob does a tremendous job. I'm not telling him how to do his job, but I, I do want to talk about the coaches, Rob, because wow, what a what an earth shattering few days. Um couple things with Pete Carroll. One, I want to talk about ageism a little bit. Do you think that's a problem with the NFL? Um, And with Bill Belichick, uh, obviously, everybody's got a shelf life. This proves it. It was a quarter century, six Super Bowls. You know, Bill's 71 as well. I think Pete's 72. Um, I think Bill wants to keep chasing the record. You, You know, his loves history of the game. I think he wants to be a part of that. Just just the overall sort of, I mean, this is seismic, the shift on the NFL when you got guys like this, even Mike Brable uh, uh, to a much lesser degree. Yeah, and Bill sure looks a whole lot older, even though he's younger than Pete yeah, Carroll. Pete, Pete's Pete, out there yeah. running. <laughs> running right? It'd be nice if we could have presidential candidates who had as much energy as Pete Carroll. True. Yeah, and, and and I think there's there's obviously a sensitivity to age, and understandably so. But these guys are still, if they can still get it done, they got the energy. They certainly have the knowledge, the ability to do what they've done for so long and have success at it for as long as they have. I, I do think that Bill is going to want to continue to chase Don Shula. 
and, and uh, I look at the openings and then you go, well, where is he a fit? Certainly a team that's bringing him in isn't thinking they're going to have him for the next 24 years. They're, they're looking at a short-term uh, situation with Bill Belichick. Where can he sell tickets? Who needs him to stabilize a franchise? You look at the Chargers and you look at the Washington Commanders, and those are two of the teams that kind of stand out. The Carolina Panthers, well, David Tepper already has said uh, he wants a – a coach who eulogizes him at some point. That's not going to be Bill. Uh, I, I don't know who's going to outlive who there, but um, <laughs> he certainly uh, ought to consider him considering the the difficulties that that franchise has had. But I think Bill will have some opportunities. I, I don't know that Pete wants to continue coaching because he's taken on that role in Seattle uh, as the advisor and assistant, whatever capacity it is. So, that may have been, and and we 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 probably won't get to the bottom of that for a little bit. But that there could have been some burnout there, maybe some friction along the way. But the fact that he's staying and there's a like there, that relationship between Carol and, and GM has uh, been a John pretty Snyder, good one yeah. for a long for a long time. And uh, I, I, but I the don't only think... reason I bring it up, Rob, is he said he fought really hard to remain the head coach. Now maybe it's just you know maybe that's just coach speed Seattle and, love and, yeah that he wouldn't accept elsewhere I I don't give me the one guy who stayed on as an advisor who we actually go oh that was a good thing that they kept him on one give me one I can't think of one off the top of my head where it stayed as an advisor that means they're going to continue to pay him and they didn't want to say they fired him so they had to say they had to come up with an explanation I, I, I'll him. give you one Jody I'll give yeah. you one when Howie was put in the broom closet. Ah, yeah, yeah, there we go. There we what go. was his role? He was in charge of uh he, he was in charge of the organization yeah. from uh the janitorial services. To and by the way, he got a raise, Rob. He got yeah, he got kicked yeah. to the other side of the building with a raise. Uh, right. to keep so him something happy. tells me Pete's not getting a raise. So they're, they're <laughs> not, they're apples and oranges. Yeah. All right, here's a one one I want to get from you, Rob. On the the within 24 hours, Rabel first. Then Carroll, and then this morning, Belichick. Uh, we could argue the momentous level of them. I don't really think it's much of an argument, but Super Bowl with it. Which of the three was most surprising to you in the current situation where they were at, where the team was at? Were you most surprised by when you heard them all? You had a reaction to all three of them. Which one surprised you the most? Carroll, for sure. Uh, I thought Belichick was going to happen at some point, uh, given the lack of success that he's had. Uh, and without Tom Brady and, and the way this season unfolded for New England. Uh, I thought Vrabel would be more of him wanting to leave to pursue New England rather than ownership and the GM not wanting him there because they got a whole other vision. So how that came down surprised me more than the end result. Uh, I thought that Vrabel could be leaving Tennessee. Uh, I anticipated Bill Belichick leaving New England. Uh, I don't think anybody had any rumblings no, about Pete came Carroll out of left leaving field. Seattle. He came out of left field. For yeah, me, that, that and, and then if we want to go to Nick Saban, obviously from the college round. Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to give you a list, Rob, for this, and then I want to bring it back to the Eagles. Um, this is the current longest tenured head coaches now with everybody moving on, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll most notably. Mike Tomlin, 17 seasons, never had a losing season. By the way, there's some speculation he might leave Pittsburgh when they lose. Um, John Harbaugh, 16 seasons, pretty good team. Andy Reid, 11 seasons, pretty good team. 
Sean McDermott, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, seven seasons. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur, five seasons. Pretty good, pretty good. Why do these owners not realize continuity is better than the alternative? Yeah. And are you surprised that Nick Sirianni, after what he's done in three, it, look, it's been bad. Nobody's saying it's been good. And you've been around Philadelphia for a very long time. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. People want this guy out of here, Rob. I'm not surprised because for that reason, I, I grew up in Philly. I know the knee-jerk reactions. I, I know the <laughs> fan base. I, I understand uh, how things work there. It's, it's what have you done for me this morning. It's not even what have you done for me yesterday. It's, 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 that, that's, that's what it's like in Philly. So I, I get it, it doesn't shock me that Nick Sirianni is under fire, He even though he's 34 and 17 with a 667 winning percentage, went to the playoffs three years in a row, didn't suddenly forget how to coach. And all of a sudden, Nick Sirianni is 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 Doug Peterson in that. Doug only won because of Frank Reich and Nick only won because of Shane Steichen. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't believe, I don't believe either. I, I don't believe either. I, I think at some point it's always easy to blame the play calling and the coaching. And certainly they have had a drop off in offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator has been a mess. But at some point, when do you put – the blame on the players and the lack of execution and guys not getting things done and maybe even point some of the finger at the general manager for not having the foresight to see some guys who are being paid very well may not be able to perform at the level they performed at previously, uh, especially at the cornerback position. So uh, I think there's a lot of blame to go around yet at the end of today, there's still going to be 11 and six, in a wild card position against the worst team in the playoffs. Uh, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, I got to see the Bucs a whole lot in the past two years. And if you're an Eagles fan, I don't think you should have too much fear. If this is, if they go into Tampa and lose this game, it's an absolute disaster. You should go I, in there and, and beat Baker Mayfield and his Buccaneers. Is, is Ira Kaufman one of your guys, Marty? Does he vote? Currently. I know he's a Hall of Fame voter. Yeah. I had Ira on my CBS show the other night, and he said the same thing that you just said from a Tampa standpoint about the Philadelphia Eagles. Tampa should be grateful that they got the Philadelphia Eagles coming to town. So somebody's going to be wrong. Somebody's got to get that one wrong. Either the Eagles are lucky that they're playing the Bucs, or the Bucs are lucky that they're playing the Eagles. Somebody's going to win this game, and somebody's going to have to eat some crow on that one. Um, Rob, let me ask you this about the the matchup coming on, on Sunday. The Eagles beat the snot out of the box. I know you were there. Monday night football, week number three, ran it right down their throats. Johnny Mack said, well, it was easy because they got ahead. And then that's what they do. They just run it right down their throats afterwards. But they did. And you can have the game plan to run it down their throats afterwards. But then if you can't do it, you got to change that too on the fly. Do the Eagles have the capability? If they can get a lead, because, oh, by the way, they've had 14-point lead, 15-point lead that they couldn't just run it down the opposition's throat and finish them off in games this past month. I, I'm hoping that that's the case. Do you have faith that if the Eagles get up by 10 points, they can do that to the Bucs? It's a much better Buccaneers defense now. They had some rookies in there who, who are uh, figuring out their way in, in week two and week three, and, and now they've improved over the course of the season. And uh, I don't know that the Eagles have shown in the past month and a half that they can control the clock for 11 minutes and just run it down anybody's throat. Um, 
So I, I don't anticipate that kind of 200 plus yard rushing performance uh, out of the Eagles in that one. They're going to need that kind of effort because of what Todd Bowles type defense can do to Jalen Hurts and and the blitzing and what we've seen, some of the difficulties there. The Eagles are going to have to win the game by dominating and controlling uh, the, the the ground game and, and in the trenches. I don't know if it's going to be to that extent, Jody, 200-plus yards. They might be in a, in a 150s, 160s. I, th- what's going to have to be key, obviously, and you can say this about every football game, don't turn the ball over. Jalen, don't turn the ball over. No, no, no winners. And 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 Tampa Bay's <laughs> secondary isn't known for picking passes off, right? And I know we threw two in week three against them, but don't turn the ball over. And you're going to have a great chance to not only win this game, but win this game comfortably. Uh, I, I I just don't see the Buccaneers. There's going to be a point in this game, guys. And, and I've I've watched Todd Bowles, and I think he's a good defensive coordinator. I don't think he's a great head coach. He's ultra conservative. And, and there was a game that to me sticks out in my mind. And it was last year, they're playing Cleveland. Tom Brady's got the ball. It's towards the end of the, the game. They're going into overtime. And, and uh, Todd Bowles, Mr. Conservative, plays for overtime with the ball in Tom Brady's hands. They end up losing that game to Cleveland in overtime. If you have Tom Brady and you're not willing to drive down the field for a field goal, then you are probably, and he has oftentimes, throughout the course of the past two years, if it's a fourth and inches, a fourth and one, uh, uh, whatever it may be, where you know Nick Sirianni is going to go for it, yeah. Todd Bowles is punting. And, and he can't afford to do that in a game against a better team. The Eagles, for all their problems, having lost five of six coming into this game, have the most talent on that field. And you can't approach this from, we'll live for the next series. We'll try and buckle down on defense. Todd Bowles is going to have to take a chance at some point in this game to be able to win. And I just don't think it's in his coaching makeup to go for a fourth and one or a fourth and two at, at the 50 or at the inside the 40s. And, and, and that, that might end up costing the Buccaneers an opportunity where, hey, maybe you draw them off sides. Maybe there's a penalty. Maybe there, whatever it is, or just go for it. Maybe you get it. He just hasn't been willing enough to do that in certain spots. He's come along a few times, but there's there's this this game where he's going to have to be try to match Nick Sirianni's aggressiveness. Uh, you mentioned some of the negatives with Todd Bowles. Certainly, I agree with you. The Eagles, you know, they're going to be aggressive, and that's a huge advantage when you're willing to take four downs. It's so hard to stop somebody when they have that extra down, as opposed to somebody who's going to lay up all the time. Um, now one of the positives though, Rob, is he's really good at devising, um, defensive schemes, as you mentioned, particularly blitz schemes. If you go back to the first Rob Motty bowl, as I like to call it after the 2021 season, now different that Tampa was the better team, clearly still Tom Brady, um, still Bruce Arians, um, the Eagles were sort of, they had the two and five start. Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen uh, got things going, weren't supposed to make the playoffs. They really exposed that Jalen Hurts still needed to learn some things in that in that particular game. And it was about the blitz and flushing him left, which he couldn't do that. And man, Rob, Jalen Hurts went into that offseason saying, I'm going to improve that part of my game. And he did. 
and we've seen a bit of an, a regression this year when it comes to handling the blitz from Jalen Hurts. Everybody wants to blame the coaching staff, understandably so. They want to protect the quarterback, but the numbers are the numbers. Uh, uh, Brock Purdy of 123.3 against the blitz. Bunch of guys are over 100. Jalen Hurts' passer rating is 80. What is going on with Jalen Hurts and the blitz? Yeah, that to me has been the the biggest disappointment this season, guys, because Coming off of last year, uh, I sat and did a bunch of interviews in the offseason leading into the year. Do you think Jalen Hurts is going to take a step back? And, and I was adamant, like, take a step back. What have you seen in this guy's history that's going to suggest to you that he's going to take a step back? He's been on an upward trajectory throughout his whole career, year after year after year. And, and I thought that he still had some things he can improve upon after a tremendous MVP caliber season last year, but the numbers are the numbers. And you just pointed those out, John. And even beyond those numbers, I, I was looking at some of the, the the breakdown of the last few weeks. And there are plays where he's running out of the pocket, throwing the ball away when throws are there to be made. And, and that to me is the more disturbing part of it. What is he not seeing? Why is he not seeing that? You talk about a guy who has 2,000 yard receivers and a thousand yard rusher. And it's not been, it hasn't, wasn't too long ago that we saw uh, nobody get over 500 yards. You yeah, know oh what yeah. I'm talking about? Oh 2019 yeah. season when it was Carson Wentz in the practice squad going to the playoffs. And yeah, I know he had Zach Ertz, but it was Josh Perkins and Greg Ward and, 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 and the like. Josh. Now, <laughs> right, you got, you got 2,000 yard receivers arguably one of the best tandems in the NFL. And I'm surprised to see some of these difficulties. I'm sure part of it is Jalen's, the coaching around Jalen is, is not getting him comfortable enough to the point where he he's going to make some of these throws. But when, they, when you're looking on tape and you're seeing a, a curl route and a guy you can anticipate that and instead he's flushed out, he just runs out of the pocket and throws the ball away. And obviously the interception numbers are up. That to me has been the most disappointing aspect of the season because I, I was wrong. I, I didn't think that he would take a step back. I thought he would at least stay at the same level or take a step forward, but it, it's hard to argue against what we've seen out on the field. And then when you look at the stats and, and, and they all add up, and that's obviously why this team is where it is right now, limping and struggling into the playoffs instead of on a bye week and enjoying the number one seat. I think Rob Motti disparaged my guy, Greg Ward, who might be the greatest three-yard uh, By the way, I, that was one of the greatest polls ever, Rob. Josh Perkins. <laughs> that, that's spectacular. Right, right. Well, we got Josh Perkins, but he disparaged Greg Ward by putting him in with Perkins, and Greg might be the greatest three-yard receiver in the history of the National Football. Nobody <laughs> can make a three-yard catch like Greg Ward. Well, on fourth and four, right, Jody? Don't forget that part. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't quite get to those sticks. Um all right, Marty, I'm going to put a little pressure on you here. John and I debated all year long about the defense falling apart. He blames the back seven more so because, let's be honest, they stink. I put close to equal blame on the front four, which I acknowledge are much better, but expectations are expectations. Salaries are salaries. A hell of a lot more is expected. Draft capital is draft capital. A hell of a lot more was expected from the defensive line 
than the back seven who watched a whole bunch of guys walk out the door and how he didn't do a hell of a lot to replace them. So I cut the back seven a little bit more slack than John does. We, we differ on this a little bit, but I'll go with him on this. If someone in the Eagle back seven has to step up and have a good game, I'm not even talking great game, just a good game. We'll forget the other six, but one of those back seven, which is actually like back 14 because they slap guys in and out and in and out and in and out. If one guy in the back seven is going to make a huge play in this game to help the Eagles win, who's it going to be? Is Slay going to play? He if, is. He confirmed it yesterday. Confirmed. Yeah, Slay's going to play. It's got to be uh, my biggest concern from an Eagles standpoint defensively would be Mike Evans, who is still playing at a ridiculously high level, and Chris Godwin. And however you match up against those guys, Bradbury and Slay, Jody, you mentioned the money being paid to the the front four. Well, those two guys are getting paid a ton of money too and and haven't performed up to their capabilities. And and maybe uh, we could have anticipated seeing that towards the end of last year into this year. So uh, I, I would probably say if it's one guy, I've seen Mike Evans wreak havoc. He's tremendous. And, yeah, occasionally he may drop a ball. But he'll, he'll come back and, and make incredible plays. And Baker Mayfield's got a lot of confidence in him. And Chris Godwin, after there was a little bit of a, at some point four or five weeks ago, there was, he wasn't getting the ball and his wife chimed in. Uh, on social media Uh-oh. saying, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not that he's hurt or anything along. Don't make any, he's out there and he's working. And then suddenly Chris Godwin's getting uh, a ton of targets. Uh, I, I would put this on, I would go Slay and Bradbury. Slay first, yeah. Bradbury second. By the way, Slay had a torn meniscus too, and he's going to be back in five weeks. So I don't know how healthy he's going to be. Obviously it was a trim because he had surgery. Uh, but that's a pretty serious injury to get back in five weeks. Yeah, um, I had that and came back and played softball, but it sure isn't the same as going out there covering, the <laughs> covering Mike Evans. Not exactly the now, same. I would say defensively, and I hope you're getting a lot of all pro votes for Antoine Winfield Jr., one of my favorite players in the NFL. Tremendous, tremendous player. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I'm with you. The Eagles are just too talented for this team. I think Ira's off pace. I'm going to go with Rob Motti at uh, Rob Motti. On uh, I was watching the game through his uh, uh, Buccaneers pewter covered glasses. I'll, t- I'll tell him that <laughs> Ira's not the biggest homer. I've had Ira. He's not. He's not. All right, Motti man, what time are we looking for the announcement today? When are the all pro results coming out? Oh, did he freeze up right before he told us? It, before he tomorrow, got it's going to be right around noon. Tomorrow noon, not today. Right tomorrow. Noon. Yeah. Noon tomorrow. We will be on the lookout for that. Rob, we love when we have you on. Uh, Johnny will see you down at the uh, uh, Pirate Ship on Monday night. Enjoy, brother. And we'll talk to you during the offseason. You got it. Thank you, fellas. Take care. Thanks, Rob. Rob Marty, lead writer, head of the Associated Press NFL coverage. Uh, joining us here on Birds 365. All right, we come back. Got to put a bow on the show. Stick around, Birds fans. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, managing partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds!
Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Hi, Johnny Mac. We're running out of time here on Bird 365. I need a couple predictions from you. Not a who's going to win the game because we got days back. We, we got plenty of time. Yeah, I could change my mind, but I I gave out I gave it up too early. Uh, what, what I'm thinking, but you know I haven't seen the injury report. There's one guy who could that, change. See, that's right. That, oh, you 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 read my mind. Right. That's the only prediction I need from you. Couple of key guys this week. Injury. There's going to be a practice, not walkthrough. Right? You told me. There's no, no, it's walkthrough today. Practice tomorrow. So we're, estimation. We're, back. we're yes. talking estimation, estimation here today. today. Estimation. I need uh, full participants, 
Partial participant inactive. AJ Brown. Partial uh, limited participant. Limited participant. Devontae Smith. Limited participant. Uh, DeAndre Swift. Full participant. You think he's over the runny nose or whatever he had last week that got them out of the. And Slay. Limited. Now, actually, he was full at the end of last week. So full. I'll go full on Slay. Full, Full on Slay. So what what if any of those or any of the others you want to mention are you actually worried about? What's the most I, the only one deal? I'm worried about is Devontae Smith. Because I don't I don't know where he is. He didn't practice at all last week. It wasn't uh you know, it wasn't like they were limited, they were being cautious. He didn't practice at all. Um walk through actual practice, even limited fashion. So even though he ditched the the walking boot and the crutches until he gets back on the field. That's the one guy I'm talking about that can change my whole thing. Cause yeah, look, Quez did a nice job in a blowout situation. That's like what I always say, bad NBA team needs somebody to score 20 points. Um, He did a nice job in a bad situation. You don't want him in a meaningful game as the number two receiver. Um, And that's what it would be. So, um, very, very focused on Devonte Smith this week. Last year, last week he was the number one receiver after AJ went yes. down. He just kept moving up the depth chart yeah. as the game went on and the Eagles went down. Uh, we'll see if that's the case. All right, partner. Uh, we're good tomorrow. We got hopefully our our usual Friday contributor, uh, Damo, jumping in, and we also have damn, I'm uh, uh, Andrew DiCecco. Andrew tomorrow. So yeah, we're we're in a good place for tomorrow. We're in a good place Monday. We're gonna have our buddy J.C. Allen from uh, the Pewter Report on to give us a Tampa perspective, and we'll get another Eagle guy on Monday. All right, brothers, enjoy the rest of the game. Any of the you're gonna be watching on Peacock, the below zero bowl between Miami and uh, oh sure, I, I I have Peacock for uh, peacock? wrestling purposes. So yeah, I'll be watching the game. I'll be no, watching. The game. No chance I would not have Peacock or John McMullen yeah. would not have Peacock. You guaranteed have Peacock for the very reason he gave. All right, uh, good show today. I hope you guys enjoyed. You want to hit the like button on the way out the door? Feel free. Rob Marty, you needed it for Rob Marty. You did it for Stolas. You better do it for Marty too. Screw the two guys who host the show. You like Rob Marty? Hit that like button before you get out because we are out. But we'll be back. In two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.